Okay, thank you for being here today. Uh, continuing the series Pain to Release, we're uh, in a discussion of Ken Wilber's integral theory, which is, uh, I'm going to wrap that up today. Uh, it's ultimately, I mean, a, a very, very complicated system that, uh, I mean, now I know why I'd never really put much time into reading Ken Wilber because I think he explains in fine detail what I already had a sense of in less detail uh, from my own uh, integration, my own integral uh, recognition, um, basically of, of, of what, what total self-development means, because that's what he's talking about, an integration of Western psychology and religion and Eastern psychology or Eastern religion mysticism uh, spiritual traditions, uh, kind of trans his own um, theory of everything, which is what he actually calls it. And so I want to just um, give some links as before. The first link <clears throat> is a Wikipedia page on integral theory. And uh, I'm not going to get into all of it at all, but uh, down the page there's a, a, a section called Levels or Stages. And this is not a heck of a lot different than understanding uh, total self-development in accord with uh, Ra's formulation of mind-body-spirit, which is a threefold division or distinction qualitative way of discussing the seven chakras. And as I said before, in many ways... Um, mind-body could be associated with uh, chakras one through five spirit complexes, particularly six, seven. <clears throat> I mean, uh, embodied consciousness or consciousness, the identity that we have in 3D physical, very much being of third chakra, which includes one, two, and three. And so there are many ways to divide the seven into three. <clears throat> Certainly there's lower, middle, and upper. It could be called body, mind, spirit. Uh, chakras one, two, three, below the diaphragm, more associated with body, but particularly the uh, embodied sense of self or the body-mind, the embodied mind process, sense of self, because we know that we're all talking about sec uh, second chakra, basically the personal sense of self, <clears throat> third chakra, interpersonal or relational uh, experience, awareness of relationality. <clears throat> uh, I consider, the, I wouldn't make a hard distinction, the one, two, three is body, and four, five is mind, and six, seven chakras are spirit, that, that works okay, but there are other ways of playing it, like um, chakra one, chakra one is body, and the chakras of consciousness, two, three, four, five, uh, two, three, four, five, six, are particularly chakras associated with mind, where you have um, the embodied, the, 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 the levels of awareness associated with embodiment or uh, physical life, particularly second, third chakra, the levels of mind associated with the inner. Um, with mind itself, um, whether it's embodied or not, which is which is where we get into the transpersonal. It's still personal, <clears throat> but it's beyond the embodied identity or the identification with body. Those are chakras four, five, which are the the heart, you know, heart mind or love wisdom, the the crud critical centers for associated with healing the lower. And then spirit, particularly six, seven, or seven, fine. Uh, down the page, you'll see a, co a collection of um, a chart <clears throat> that shows perspectives from Wilbur and Aurobindo, Aurobindo, uh, Sri Aurobindo, who was one of the earliest uh, formulators of a notion of integral spirituality, which is really just an understanding. I mean, I think what happened was. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> as humanity moved into the 19, into the 20th century, and Aurobindo was writing particularly at the beginning of the 20th century, uh, humanity became psychologically self-aware. 
or more self-aware of its own psychology, meaning uh, its own moral deficiencies <laughs> and its own emotional wounding and its own mental um, neurosis, complexities, avoidance, and um, distorted um, patterns of, of mental and emotional process. Humanity, just like in the West, Freud um, and the early psychoanalysts, so we have a development of uh, consciousness in humanity uh, which um, is neither wholly material, although science was growing strongly. And so as um, it was particularly associated with mental development, I'd say, right? So you've got the, the, this is the end of third density. And at the end of third density, we have the, the, the subplanes associated with mind, like seven. So 3.7 as a marker of time. That's my dehumidifier calling. <clears throat> uh, as we're here at the end of third density, uh, this could be called the, the phase of history associated with uh, seventh subplane. So 3.7, if we want to divide time that way, where each subplane of the se of of third density is what one seventh of seventy five thousand years all right so about ten thousand years or so whatever uh, humanity is increasingly mental mentalized or intellectually stimulated and that now has has led you know at the beginning of the twentieth century to psychological self awareness psychological mindedness and that was uh, beginning in the east with Aurobindo in. India and in the West, in um, Central Europe, uh, particularly uh, with Freud, Piaget, and all these guys, and so <clears throat> that development of greater self-awareness, particularly awareness of distorted mental emotional process or emotional disturbance and wounding associated with distortions of of self-esteem and and belief. Uh, is represents the earlier level of self-development particularly the healing of the lower triad blockages that's exactly what we're talking about from pain to release is um, a love wisdom based approach which is know yourself accept yourself <laughs> direction of the will and attention uh, to one's distorted uh, painful mental emotional process which can lead to catharsis and insight and epiphany. Uh, beginning the self-development, you know, with the very personal. And so on this chart, you'll see the lower levels, uh, if we just start with the first columns of Wilbur, uh, being pre-personal, then he goes to personal, transpersonal, or, and there are other ways of putting it, uh, from undifferentiated to sensory physical, to phantasmic emotional, to the personal mind, uh, associated with uh, ultimately um, logic and intellect, then to the transpersonal. Uh, the Aurobindo system, I think, is a little bit, it, it's enough for me. <laughs> and putting that together with Ra is a little fine. I think that uh, Wilbur splits hairs and he enjoys his own classification. So he, he enjoys um, his own mental apparatus, which is fine, but I think it's uh, too complicated for me. And uh, Aurobindo talking about levels of being, at the bottom we have inconscient, which is uh, like first chakra unconsciousness or pre-conscious. Physical, vital, vital uh, being something associated with uh, subconscious. Uh, mind and then levels of mind from subconscious to conscious um, we know from raw we've got the, the the subconscious and the conscious is a curtaining of mind that's even actually before the veil it's just like we have cards one and two or matrix and potentiator of mind before the veiling before the the archetypes went from three for mind body spirit to seven for mind body spirit so, okay, <clears throat> and then supermind or overmind, uh, fine, 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 which is associated with higher chakras. Uh, I don't really need to go into all that in depth, really, because 
if you understand um, an integration of the Western psychoanalytic or the Western psychological into a Buddhist, Hindu, and raw material metaphysical understanding uh, of the chakras and the path of development, um, then you'll know exactly what he means by these uh, <clears throat> stages of development integrating with states of consciousness, which is summarized as grow up, wake up, <laughs> show up, <laughs> and uh, it was one other. Uh, what was that? He had the four. Waking up. It's very interesting. They, they put it as waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. And different teachers have different takes on that. There's a fellow named Mark Gaffney, who um, has, you know, an interesting formulation of this, where he talked about wake up, grow up, show up, lighten up, and open up. All right, so everybody's playing off of everybody else. <laughs> so <clears throat> Wilbur plays off of Western psychoanalysts and Sri Aurobindo and some other fellows. And Gaffney plays off of, uh, you know, works off of uh, Wilbur, and I'm working off all of them, and Ra as well. So everybody builds on everyone else, which is uh, good. So his formulation, wake up, grow up, show up, lighten up, open up, actually it's just seven chakra work <laughs> and what's interesting is in their systems you see these people came in <clears throat> um, as, as I did sort of from a spiritual perspective where people Westerners in, in the communities of uh, Buddhist and Hindu teachers in the West coming to realize that people in the community are maybe quite neurotic and dysfunctional and have a lot of conflict or have real ego dis distortions or deformations meaning the kind of uh, three forms of distorted ego Karen Horney talked about right the inflated the deflated and the apparently erased uh, that people had to grow up and people were uh, rushing headlong to wake up but they forgot about grow up which really just means they they came in and came in emotionally wounded, as everybody is to some degree, and hadn't worked through their imprinted pain, and hadn't and were caught in the thrall of defense mechanisms, such as projection and splitting, <clears throat> projective identification, and all sorts of funky ways of interacting with each other that made trouble. Uh, Osho saw that in the community too. And saw, and his answer was for the beginning, um, dynamic meditation, where people would scream and yell and roll around and get it all out um, with a very non intellectual and non analytic focus um, for better and for worse. So, people, it, it supports a kind of non intellectual spirituality which has its benefits and disadvantages. <laughs> so, and meanwhile, um, Wilbur is coming to realize, yes, uh, you've got a lot of seriously emotionally wounded people in the Buddhist and Hindu Sanghas in the West, uh, and they are rushing headlong to wake up and have non-dual states, uh, but forgot to grow up, which really means um, neglected deep emotional healing, which was evidenced by conflict generation in the community, meaning people fighting and struggling with each other, having some heavy blind spots called spiritual bypass, like John John Wellwood talked about. John Wellwood is actually a very important figure in the development of transpersonal psychology and integral theory. He also taught at CIIS, and CIIS, the school I went to, was founded by a student of Sri Aurobindo, and that's why it's called Institute California Institute of Integral Studies. So, Hari Dashodari the Indian fellow, student of Aurobindo, took the integral theory and named the school from it. Wilbur became a big guy there. John Wellwood was there. Gaffney's wife or partner uh, studied under Wellwood. And so they're all talking about seven chakra, mind, body, spirit, transformation. All right. So the great gift, one of the, one of the many 
great gifts of the raw material, I'd say. I have a lizard on the window peeking out at me. One of the great gifts, I think, is um, an integration of seven chakra theory with um, a very clear uh, designation of the states of consciousness associated with each in a practical way, where particularly um, chakras two, three, four, five, um, the the heart of what these guys are talking about is growing up or cleaning up, right? So Gaffney take it, takes it in a certain way. Gaffney, interestingly, re- took away Wilbur's cleaning up uh, and put in uh, lighten up and open up because that's easier, more pleasant for people. And yeah, sure, there's some pejorative connotations, some unpleasant connotations with cleaning up, like I'm dirty, so I need to be cleaned. Well, yeah, there's that. It's not like we're dirty and need to be cleaned, or chakras are garbage pails that need to be emptied, like some healers do with their magic wand on the on the table. Now I emptied your your chakra. I cleaned it out, like a garbage pit. It's not like that at all. However, <clears throat> um, self um, deep self honesty is critical to the healing of emotional wounding. And that usually involves painful catharsis. And that's very much associated with what these guys are talking about is growing up, cleaning up. But we can understand it simply, I mean, I think in a much more efficient way as the application of love and wisdom to to the blockages of first, second, third chakra. Meaning, bringing love and unconditional acceptance and kindness and caring and wisdom and discernment and honest accounting to one's own mental emotional process and the pain I carry and my own habits associated with anger and frustration, sorrow and grief and self-pity, fear and cowardice and avoidance, and all sorts of distortions and deformations of my sense of self. All of that is the is bringing love wisdom to the blockages of second, third chakra. That's the healing and initiation of mind. That's exactly what Ra talked about. And there's nobody else who seems to know that. And even Wilbur, um, because the Hindu notion of the seven chakras or their description of the seven chakras um, is a little sloppy or a little messy or a little um, overcomplicated, it's not focused as clearly as Ra. I mean, Ra's description of the significance of the seven chakras is um, precisely targeted to a useful, practical uh, formula uh, is a useful formula, pra- for, practical formulation, particularly of second and third chakra, the sense of self, the conscious sense of self, which includes the emotional second chakra associated with water, and the third chakra being interpersonal, uh, self and group, intellectual, uh, and and how we've come to um mentally fashion our our sen- our understanding of who we are in relation to others and then how we act and that that's you know the way of working on that is love wisdom and all of that is uh, cleaning up growing up <laughs> and doing the uh, emotional healing work uh, that ultimately was preparatory, that is, it, it ought to be preparatory to waking up or uh, uh, awakening to higher states of awareness like non-duality or unity or the three marks, understanding, you know, anicca dukkha or insights, knowledge and vision of what is. Uh, the, the work of, uh, it's basically, I mean, th- this integral theory uh, is another way of helping people uh, avoid spiritual bypass and recognize the importance of Western psychology, starting with the psychoanalytic, Freudian. Uh, that is a portion of what we are, while the East focuses on states and waking up, or at least in the Buddhist-Hindu approach. Um, they're working with people who are more or less clear emotionally, and or not as neurotic and not as complicated mentally and not as damaged in self-esteem as the majority of the Westerners who go into Buddhism and Hinduism today. And that follows what Osho, Osho was talking about where, you know, earlier, less technological, so-called primitive societies, indigenous societies, 
closer to nature, closer to earth, closer to the seasons, more manual working, hard working people, um, often became less neurotic, or were. They may have been, some of them were service to self. But <clears throat> in general, many of the neuroses associated with uh, psychological suppression, repression, avoidance, complexities didn't uh, weren't generated uh, because of the simplicity, the uh, the pre-technological condition of their society, the the simplicity of their lifestyle, the nature of their culture. Um, and now, as we're at the end of third density, and humanity is very significantly mental, intellectual. Uh, which is good, right? Physical, emotional, mental, getting to the end of the uh, one of the triads that can understand third density life. Uh, people who go into spiritual work, like Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, all sorts of things, um, often fall into spiritual bypass or seek a spiritual bypass. They seek waking up before they've fully grown up. Or they seek higher states, which um, associated with unity and multidimensionality and contact with higher self and bliss and love and joy, uh, while um, steadily avoiding their emotional pain and their conf conflict generating patterns and distortions of self uh, esteem or self image and identity. Okay, fine. So, an integral theory means don't forget <laughs> the personal, emotional, psychological. Fine. And that's about all. <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> whether you want to call it cleaning up and growing up, or uh, lighten up and open up, fine, whatever. Um, those are all useful teachings. Uh, but I think it's critical to keep, to keep to the principles of soul evolution uh, associated with the seven chakra model that Ra gave, which doesn't contradict this at all. It, it simply focuses, it's simply a, focal, a focused understanding or presentation of what these guys are talking about with many more words than are needed. And yes, I like speaking too. But I keep speaking around, I'm, I'm just dancing around the maypole, you know. And so I just keep talking about the same principles. <clears throat> if possible, at best, <laughs> I'll be, I'm speaking about the same principles. And basically, the core of it is um, the, the application of green and blue to heal <laughs> first and second and third chakra, lower triad blockages, bringing love and acceptance and understanding, discernment, honesty, accuracy, um, fair taking of responsibility, and then forgiveness to one's pain, to pain. And, and allowing pain and um, seeking understanding and seeking to take full responsibility, fair, fair responsibility, full but fair responsibility. Uh, I didn't cause the, the others to harm me physically, emotionally, mentally, but I set up the situation whereby I'd be in relationship to them. And so... Uh, I, I think that's really enough with the integral theory because <laughs> Ra presents their own integral theory, which I think is a whole lot more uh, centered on on the principles. I want to just um, go back a moment to the page on catharsis uh, and simply um, make some points um, or elaborate on some points I made before regarding the what was called cathar the section here catharsis before tragedy so we understand okay early Greek tragedy um, and an Aristotelian understanding of the value of tragedy um, meaning uh, you know heart touching drama uh, to generate catharsis in the individual or the community. Before that, basically catharsis was associated with moral atonement. And moral atonement, um, you know, they say blood purified through blood and um, running water washes away the blood and uh, what was there something, uh, a piglet 
The blood of a sacrificed piglet is allowed to wash over the blood-polluted man. The running water washes away the blood. You know, some old religions, I mean, some their, their Judaism, Talmudism, uh, aspects of certain ritual in Islam, uh, they're still involved in blood bloodletting um, with some notion that it purifies the self. Uh, Christianity changes that to uh, the, the wine and the wafer. Um, but they come from very old ideas that, <clears throat> I'd say at root, um, pain is deserved. <laughs> there is no injustice in God's universe. There's pain, there's ignorance, there's causal consequentiality, or consequentiality meaning causal, there's, there's the principle of causality. Because there, the principle of causality the, the the mill of the gods grinds exceedingly slow but exceedingly fine. The mill of the gods, in a sense, is a phrase associated with um, fate and destiny, uh, the way of the Logos. And in the other series on the um, Tao Te Ching, I found a lot of material of people who realize, hey, 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 Lao Tzu and Heraclitus are talking on the same page. They're singing from the same hymnal. And so, tomorrow, uh, for those who are listening to the uh, Tao Te Ching talk, I'm going to, number four, I'm going to talk about Heraclitus and Lao Tzu. Um, Heraclitus' understanding of um, the harmony of opposites or the reconciliation of polarity, the unity of polarity, and Lao Tzu talking about the Tao and the way. Uh, there is a... Mm, uh, perfection to what is. This is known in six chakra, or six chakra activation leads to that awareness. Ra used the phrase complete and per complete and whole and perfect. That's what the view of unity comes to know. Uh, higher self, late sixth density, elder extraterrestrials, the sage, the bodhisattva, that level of development, the perfect blend of wisdom and compassion, hey, hey, fifth chakra, fourth chakra, and sixth chakra, or sixth dimension, comes to see reality or life, all phenomena, as complete and whole and perfect. That perfection includes pain, and what is, um, what is, what definitely is clearly injustice and unfair from a single lifetime perspective. You know, children that are harmed, particularly and people who did no harm, and then they suffer terribly. From a single perspective, single lifetime perspective, that's terribly unjust and, and very bad and uh, leads some people to hate God or no believe, you know, basically have the view there couldn't be God. Like people have that simple-minded say, well, if, <laughs> why is there so much evil in the world if there's God? Thinking that God is um, akin to the parent that prevents all harm. No, the Logos is not a parent who prevents all harm. The Logos is the one that, that generated structured light, that generated light, light that, has, that is vibratory, vibratory light, which is the natural polarity of light, giving rise to the seven rays and seven dimensions and seven chakras, giving rise to what we call body-mind-spirit, um, the laws of that system will can be known as complete and whole and perfect, which includes the terrible pain that we experience from events that we consider unjust and unfair from a single lifetime perspective under the veil here in 3D space-time. Uh, the perfection to it is um, hinted at, I'd say, by those pre- Tragedians or pre-Aristotelian, you know, the pre-Homeric practice of purification or view of uh, pain is associated with, with moral atonement. And healing is associated with, you know, catharsis as a, as a critical portion of healing, which really means stop blocking, stop suppressing, <laughs> let it up, let it out. That's it. Feel it. Yeah, feel your wretchedness. Feel willingness to feel wretched. Willingness to allow wretched feeling. And then take responsibility for it. 
uh, or consider one's responsibility for it without falling into self-hatred or self-punishment. I mean, responsibility without judgment, hatred, self-punishment, totally doable. I mean, it's not, it's the distinction between responsibility and blame. I mean, blame is, is a funny word because it usually implies judgment and um, um, non-acceptance. So, non, you know, um, ex <laughs> not, uh, accepting, acceptance-based responsibility or acceptance and responsibility without blame and judgment, which really means just don't hate yourself. Uh, I fucked up, but I am not, but I is not fuck up. I is not a fuck up, but I fucked up. <laughs> My conscious mind made trouble by wrong speech, wrong action. We got to the principles. That's very straightforward. What makes bad karma? Well, generally wrong speech, wrong action, hurting people with speech and hurting, hurting self and other with speech, hurting self and other by behavior and action which all, of course, comes from distorted thought, you know, so wrong thinking or harmful thinking or unskillful thinking or attachment to the three poisons, grasping, aversion, ignorance, attachment to anger, attachment to blame, attachment to self-pity, attachment to hopelessness, attachment to fear and avoidance and low self, low self-image, low self-value, low self-worth, attachment to all those distorted mental emotional patterns is what leads to wrong speech, wrong action, is what leads to karmic load, uh, uh, generating karmic liability, which leads to future lives programming of catalysts that's going to be painful. And so uh, the catharsis is good, but without the understanding, which is fifth ray, which is blue, which is vishuddhi, which is, you know, vishuddhi maga, <laughs> Buddha Gosha, Buddha Gosha's Vishuddhi Maga, the book called Vishuddhi Maga, called Path of Purification, as I said, is really uh, the fifth ray, the blue ray path, Vishuddhi, same Sanskrit for fifth chakra in Sanskrit in yoga theory of seven chakras. Vishuddhi Maga, Maga, Marga, uh, is basically the path of fifth ray. That's critical for healing too. And so you can't heal. Deep healing is not only uh, allowing um, visceral somatic uh, cathar catharsis getting it all out rolling and screaming and, and yelling and bop 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 That's, that may be very helpful for some people uh, for people who need it it's helpful <laughs> for people who did it already or don't really need it because they don't have that much pain it's not helpful so you've got to take the medicine for your condition not the medicine that some guy who is still <laughs> healing thinks that everybody needs Lots of people who are still healing think that everybody needs the medicine that's helped them. No, baby. Uh, every doctor knows, every Chinese doctor knows, you got to change the formula regularly. The Dalai Lama, his physician, gives him herbs, different herbs every day, if needed. So, um, one, one medicine doesn't fit everyone because not everyone is in the same condition of mental, emotional distortion. So, but the notion of, of moral atonement, the, the, the issue of moral responsibility for pain is critical. And so we've got morality and mental health, the, you know, topics for uh, <laughs> my successor, <laughs> whoever's going to do this in the future, uh, morality and mental health. Morality and mental health, uh, Gautama said, right, one of the, the, one of the critical purposes of Sheila, right, on uh, Panchashila, five Sheila, Sheila as virtue, morality, ethics, right speech, <laughs> right action, right livelihood. That's it. Right speech, right uh, action, right livelihood. Uh, out of the uh, Noble Eightfold Path, the three associated with Sheila, Sheila being the root of, the, of all Buddhist work, Sheila Samadhi Prajna, right? Virtue, morality, ethics, Harmlessness, ahimsa, Hindus understand it as yama niyama, yeah, yeah, all true. The basis of the spiritual path traditionally has been understood to be shila. And that's why these guys, talking about it, integral theory, have uh, rightly understood that cleaning up or growing up or opening up uh, is critical to uh, total self-transformation. 
not just waking up to higher states and enjoying bliss and non-dual uh, experience of conditioned states that arise and pass away. Avoiding spiritual bypass, <laughs> one definitely needs uh, to face the shadow, to face one's pain. That's all. The shadow is not a thing. The ego is not a thing. Everybody's reified all these things, all these notions. But the root of the Buddhist path is Shila. The root of the Hindu path is Yama Niyama, what to do, what not to do. Uh, because, Gautama said, one of, these, one of the core purposes of Shila, or harmlessness, or virtue morality, is to prevent regret. And regret stays in the mind over many lifetimes. And many people have low self-esteem. Because many people have unhealed regret, remorse, carried in from past lives. Why? Because they fell into, we often do, fall into wrong, wrong speech and wrong action. Harmful speech, harmful action, based on distorted thought, based on deformed self-esteem or self-image. Deformed self-image. Basically, a, a deflated, inflated... Uh, uh, alternation. Self-image associated with deflation, inflation. Inflation covering deflation. Aggression or conflict generating uh, speech and action associated with kind of uh, arrogance, conceit, <laughs> pride, um, big me, uh, arrogance, arrogance of uh, inflated sense of self that is compensatory to low self-esteem which is associated with regret and remorse, which is called karmic guilt, which is very reasonable, meaning people with low self-esteem or the degree of a person's low self-esteem, low self-image, or you know, distorted self-image, low self-esteem, low self-worth, is associated with how much they haven't yet healed probably <laughs> their moral failings in past lives, meaning hurting others, hurting self and hurting others. If you hurt self and you hurt others, what do you think happens in your next life? Well, <laughs> you make some plan to program Catalyst so that you can work it off. But it's not working it off as just getting punished and beaten up and you're better, but actually programming painful Catalyst. Catalyst associated with trauma or wounding akin to what you dished out to others in the past. And so what you put out comes back. What comes in has what is what we put out. That's karmic, uh, you know, karmic law. Uh, and so, in some ways, the root of uh, imprinted pain is uh, the moral, um, the harm that a person has done to self and other in past lives that is a karmic liability or a karmic kind of overhang into the present life um, for the purpose of healing of... <laughs> For the purpose of healing, by which, uh, for whose healing they have programmed, we program traumatic or painful catalyst. Uh, and, and people need to then acknowledge, I mean, this is just way beyond these people, right? These people, these people, uh, talking about it, IT, not Mr. It, but uh, integral theory, while I think they've done great work to recognize um, the critical um, place of emotional, mental, emotional, psychological healing in spiritual total self-transformation, right? The importance of growing up, cleaning up, um, to waking up total transformation. I mean, Wilbur has his limitations, right? <laughs> so do you, so do I. But waking up, you see, is also a very Hindu, and I think, he's a little bit more Hindu than Buddhist, and that's why he followed old Adi Da, which was a big mistake. So he had his serious blind spot in terms of what the finished product looks like. The finished product does not look like Adi Da, Da Free John. I would submit the finished product looks like Nityananda of Ganesh Puri. Uh, that's what the finished product looks like, or that's what a being who's become a force of, of creation looks like, I'd say. Uh, <clears throat> so while it's critical that they integrated the psychological, emotional healing portion, the the work on the lower triad, right? That's all it is. It's uh, bringing love, wisdom, understanding, honesty, acceptance to one's pain. 
uh, the reincarnative aspect they didn't present. I mean, again, this is why I'm sitting alone in the forest, right? Because these guys uh, want to make their teaching appealing to lots of people. Um, I'd be happy with lots of people, but it's not possible if I at this at these um, at this level of magnification, this level of magnification of spiritual principles and integration of multiple systems, right? Buddhism, Advaita Vedanta, Western psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis, transpersonal theory, including Wilbur and Aurobindo a little bit, uh, and then guys like Heraclitus and Ramana Maharshi uh, and the Tao Te Ching uh, and the near-death experience, uh, you know, out-of-body Howard Storm and UFO studies. That kind of integration simply is not interesting, not... Um, not 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 attractive to lot to most folks, but if you don't if you don't um, acknowledge uh, responsibility for um, for harmful patterns, ways I've hurt me and you, then there can't be a full healing, emotional healing, which is acknowledging. I've hurt you and I've hurt me by speech, by action, by bad decisions in this life and in past lives. And that's the root of these apparently unfair but essentially just and, you know, metaphysically perfect uh, phenomenal experiences or incidents and events and people and situations in my life that brought me pain. And that's just the way it goes. Uh, and so where the pre-Homerics were coming with blood, uh, blood washing away blood, uh, that is certainly highly distorted. But the note, the basic principle of moral atonement, I've got to, um, you know, it's like I've got to suffer to clear away the suffering I've caused. That's the way the law of karma works in the case of, of, deliberate harm to self and other in terms of wrong speech, wrong action, and wrong livelihood as well, right? I was a soldier who delighted in slaughtering my enemies. Hmm, well, I got all my awards and a whole shitload of bad karma too. All right, well, so wrong livelihood, wrong speech, wrong action um, is, uh, you know, immoral. <laughs> that's non-moral, that's harmful. Those harmful ways uh, are the basis of the pain that got imprinted in childhood for anyone in general. In general. Uh, there are wanderers who choose painful catalyst and didn't um, cause comparable pain in past lives. But in general, probably 95% of the situations actually, probably... Uh, when there's trauma and violation, uh, at least as far as my read of the law of karma and multi-incarnational flow, um, that trauma, violation, real harm that um, is awful and, uh, you know, not good to experience, um, but metaphysically just from my understanding of the law of karma and Reincarnation, the raw material and pre-programmed catalyst, and we know that from the spiritist approach from uh, Chico Javier as well in Astral City, um, is perfectly just metaphysically. And uh, acknowledging responsibility for that is one of the last stages of deep self-healing. Actually, a client and friend of mine from Australia wrote a book called Deep Self-Healing. And um, you can probably find it on Amazon called Deep Self-Healing. Uh, she did a great job. Uh, so you can take a look at that book if you're interested. Deep Self-Healing is what we're talking about. And Deep Self-Healing is what these guys blithely call uh, growing up, cleaning up. So I think we understand integral... <laughs> uh, we, we understand an integral approach without having to depend on Wilbur or Gaffney or Aurobindo or any of these folks who have their own um, deficient metaphysics, actually. Deficient metaphysics. I mean, none of them are talking about pre-programmed catalyst, you know. 
and only a few times will they talk about um, uh, the karmic liability that's associated with the events in childhood or personal life that are associated with imprinting pain that were related to trauma and violation that are totally unfair and unwelcome in a personal life from a single lifetime perspective yet from a multi you know multi-incarnational perspective are eminently fair and and uh, cosmically just and um, one can only you know take that as an article of faith um, and if you don't like it throw it away and uh, yet it, it certainly deserves contemplation so that's enough with integral theory from those fellows. I think we have our own understanding of uh, a total self, the, the, the map of total self-transformation. The map of total self-transformation requires a map of um, the self-journey multi-incarnationally, multi-dimensionally, uh, from lower to higher. Um, and Nityananda said, every moment is a test. And so, every moment is a test to see the degree to which we can bring love wisdom to catalyst, to the situation, to our our current moment, present process. And it, that includes making good decisions. And that, that demands uh, increasing discernment, Blu-ray, Vishuddhi, fifth chakra activation, and integration. And so uh, it's much more than simply do no evil uh, or moral, you know, right speech, right action, right livelihood. Uh, the higher <laughs> work is um, wise decision. And that, in that includes uh, reflection on one's values and how one spends one's time. And um, diminishing our... Uh, focus on what's essentially less helpful and increasing our focus on what's essentially more helpful to our long-term welfare and benefit, as Gautama would say. All right, so that's uh, that, that concludes the long discussion um, on an integral theory uh, integrating psycho psychoanalysis and some notion of how pain, the, the um, levels of one's being uh, within which pain gets imprinted, which really does require some kind of mental emotional catharsis, which will lead to epiphany and insight, as I said last time. And all of that um, leads to release, or takes us from release to one way of understanding the end of the path, which is this link I sent called self-realization. Like um, Paramahansa Yogananda and his school, SRF, Self-Realization Fellowship. Well, we're doing our own version of a self-realization fellowship or community or discussion. Uh, but, you know, you're born alone, you die alone. And so it's up to you. Um, community is very helpful, but we suffer alone um, the result of harmful activity, and we uh, glory alone, actually, the awakening to joy and unity and freedom from conflict and um, the, the bliss of um, creation as is beyond, um, beyond grasping aversion ignorance. <laughs> you know, knowledge and vision of release. You get it alone. We get it, you know, these things don't happen in community uh, format, in community setting, in the community center. It's very helpful to be with others on the positive path for sure. But actually, we suffer alone and we glory alone. Uh, nobody could really feel the bliss and joy that you may open for yourself, and nobody else could really in, in real time, take away your wretched pain, our wretched pain, when it arises. And so, the root of this um, is uh, acknowledging uh, we create our own reality and uh, you're the boss. 
and we can only get so much from others. Uh, transformation, you know, only self heals the self, as Ross said. Now, where we're going to end this entire series, and we're just going to get into it a little today, and probably complete it next time, is the Wikipedia page Self-Realization. And it's a, not a bad um, page, frankly, uh, because there is an integration here of both a Hindu or a Indian perspective, including Jainism and the Sikhs. So Jainism and Hinduism and Sikhism integrated with Buddhism and psychology, and psychoanalysis. Uh, as the Delphic Oracle uh, suggested, know thyself. Uh, when you know what self is, uh, you'll know uh, all. Because ultimately, the law of one, or unity, or reality, uh, is, um, <laughs> is not of separative objects, but of the appearance of separative objects in an apparent time and space. But Ra calls this the illusion of limits, the concept of affinity, the concept of light giving rise to the illusion of limits of seven dimensions and apparently delimited, you know, apparently and experientially separated, separative selves. Yet, we understand there's something called unity or the, the one, the, the many being the one and the one being boundless. The many, the true nature of the many as the one and the true nature of the one as boundlessness, which is called infinity, which is no separate from the one infinite creator. So, true identity as source. True nature, meaning one's, one's own identity, essential identity, as um, not, um, not essentially different or separate from its source, from our source. So, uh, essentially, what is the what is the source of light? <clears throat> Intelligent infinity, God, the logos, the source of light. Well, Ra talked about you know the levels of of logos, galactic, solar, atmanic, sixth density, and then even conscious mind. Four levels of logos. We will also get into that in Dao De Ching, talking where Heraclitus saying you know. Although the logos is common to all, men act as if they have their own private reality or their own private opinions, or as they have their own, they operate under their own private opinions of, of, of life. And that's part of why um, materialism and uh, evil are so much in vogue today. It, it's a kind of self-deification. I am the one integrator. That's not what we. That's not what, what's going on here. In this discussion of the unity of true nature and source, the identity uh, of the self and its source, that is not conceit or narcissism and self-glorification, not at all, <laughs> because you are totality too. All is this one that arised out, uh, that that manifest or arose from source, which is infinite. And that's um, one's true nature. Yet we have a profound amount of work um, to do before we can truly live the reality of, of what I is or the identity of, of source and its manifestation. So there's, there's no room for conceit here except for deluded people who don't really take it to heart. <laughs> take it to heart. Take it to heart. And arrogance and narcissism and conceit and all that will fall away. And so humans of today, many people, um, they don't like living in, they, they don't like, um, uh, they don't like to be controlled because they're so controlled. <laughs> you see, society was more free in many ways in the past. Now the New World Order and all that stuff is total control grid. I mean, they're, they're seeking a total control grid, obviously. So society being far more controlled physically, mentally, ideologically, magically, controlled today, um, people themselves are more seeking of control, to be controlling. And that leads them to um, anti-Christic, uh, anti-spiritual, materialist, 
self-glorification. While in the past, there was more freedom in the world, or the negative leadership was uh, didn't have its act together as well as it does today, and people could accept divine law um, that, that they didn't make, that they're just learning about, that um, they either live in accord with or uh, transgress, transgress at their own um, cost, at their own pain, penalty later. God's law, God and the Logos, this was much more appreciated in past times when there was more freedom in the world. So more freedom in the world, in society, in a sense, supported people to accept the greater metaphysical law and rule uh, that we're living in uh, a creation that has guidelines. And there are principles and laws uh, that we either um, live in conformity with and benefit or transgress at our own at the cost of, of our own pain. I mean, there really is a hell. Yeah. There really are hungry ghosts or wandering spirits. Yeah. Uh, and, and most moderns don't want to hear that. Even Buddhism, right? This is... We have Buddhism without... Uh, with the with the lower realms shorn shorn off sawed off uh, by some speakers of Buddhism, who don't want to talk about the notions of hell, and um, you know lower realms the states of woe that people can be reincarnated as an animal. It's very rare, but that's you know possible. But particularly beings go to hell, lower realms. Spiritism knows it. Raw material knows it. Buddhism knows it. Hinduism knows it. <laughs> but moderns don't want to hear it because they think they live in a, you know, um, no consequence reality or a lawless reality. That's not true. <laughs> there are laws and you break laws. There's just the law of causality. It's just the law of causality. That's all. God is not saying the Logos actually doesn't even say you must be good. It just is um, you're going to get what you've given. <laughs> what you put out, you'll get. What you get is what you deserve. Based on the reality, then, of the principles of soul or non, you know, the, the self as more than body-mind uh, existing in a multidimensional reality where there's continuity after death, there's afterlife after death, and being go on and then come back, and there's a piece of work to do, called the learning of each dimensional level uh, so as to harvest or graduate or get out or go to the next yeah there's a piece of work to do I didn't make it you can say I'm the one infant creator okay well that's cool but I didn't make this system you know Scott didn't um, you didn't but uh, the one source from which we emerge which is our ultimate essential true nature that made it and um, if we uh, know the rules, like causality, <laughs> and if you want that which is to your long-term welfare and benefit, as Gautama said, you better act with uh, wisdom and compassion. And that naturally leads to right speech, right action, right livelihood. Sure. And so the end of the path, while in Buddhism it's understood as a complete and perfect awakening, knowledge and vision of release. Nirvana, nirvana, blowing out the flame, the end of becoming, the end of the thirst for becoming, no more existence, the flame gone out, right? Um, mind like fire unbound, as Tanisaro said. I don't know if that's from the scripture or that's just the title of his book. A brilliant title to me, Mind Like Fire Unbound. That's the awareness of uh, the being who's left the octave. And that's not really different than what the Hindus or other traditions call self-realization. So, uh, I'll just read the first paragraph, and then uh, we'll get ready to leave for today. Um, hitting the one-hour mark. Self-realization is an expression used in Western psychology, philosophy, and spirituality, and in Indian religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, Sikhism. In the Western understanding, it is the, quote, fulfillment by oneself of the possibilities of one's character or personality, said by one fellow who knows something, maybe. Uh, in Indian understanding, which I think is a little more, really talking about Indic religious, Buddhist Hindu, 
or this is particularly Buddhist, actually, uh, Hindu, sorry. Self-realization is liberating knowledge of true self, Atman, right? Either as permanent, undying Atman, or as absence, Sunyata, so that's Buddhist, of such a permanent self. So, absent, it's, <laughs> it's a, a little contorted here. Um, it may well be, as we'll see, that the Advaita Vedanta view is that the end of the path is self-realization, right? Uh, but different people formulate it differently. Liberating knowledge of true self, it's not like some intellectual knowledge, you say. <laughs> it's, uh, it's basically the personal mm, becomes at one with, with the next level of source, which is logoic, which is the solar logos, right? As, as Nityananda said, uh, Atman joins Paramatman, or Jeev Atman and Paramatman, or Jeev Atman, meaning the individual soul and higher self become one with Paramatman, the greater Atman, or Parabrahman, the source. Fine, okay, well, that's just called the Logos, the solar Logos. But you see, life goes on beyond that, right? The next octave has dimensions and subplanes too. And uh, the guardians in eighth density are not finished with the great work either. The next octave is evolutionary, <laughs> of course. But um, the equation, the the equivalence of the goal in Hinduism and the goal in Buddhism is, a, I think, a critical point. And um, it's only people who really haven't left the lowlands that think that uh, the highest of the Hindu teachers or the highest of the Buddhist teachers are in. Uh, some oppositional condition. Actually, they they really have the same liberation from the octave. One calls it uh, total self-realization. The other one calls it freedom, freedom from all becoming, or knowledge and vision of release. And really, Gautama. Um, that's why Nirvana is a blowing out. It's it's a it, it's a not phrased as an affirmative, but as a, a freedom from, uh, as a release from something else, release from ignorance, release from reincarnation, release from the thirst for becoming or craving tana, all that's gone, uh, that's not essentially different than what the highest of the Hindu or Advaita Vedanta teachers have, have understood or come to be. It's not an intellectual knowing. The intellectual knowing is simply the conceptual formulation of what they have become. They've become um, that which is finished becoming. They've become uh, that which is prior to and subsequent to becoming. They, they've returned to source, the source of becoming, the source of light, the source of, of time and space. Beings who are finished with the octave have become that, They're, and therefore have finished octavic becoming in this octave. But they have the next octave to do, too. So, this is not quite <laughs> presented on Wikipedia. And, um... So, they understand self-realization has gained great popularity, influential, psychoanalysis. And so this is, you know, this is the summary of what we've done in this series. Psychoanalysis, humanistic psychology, which includes uh, object relations or, or Rogerian, Carl Rogers... And growing acquaintance with Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Advaita Vedanta, particularly, and Western esotericism, like the raw material. And so uh, we see, right? It started with psychoanalysis. Um, but I think we'll, we'll do that next time. And so this is a, you know, it's a decent page, where it basically uh, gives the Wikipedia map of the sequence that is the same ground covered by Wilbur and Integral Theory, more or less, more or less. Let's not get hung up on hair splittings. More or less, it's the same ground of psychoanalysis to post-Freudian object relations, like Melanie Klein and the good breast and the good mother and object relations and Winnicott and all those folks. And the long discussion of defense mechanisms and the need for catharsis, and basically <laughs> acceptance of the truth of one's distortions and a willingness to feel the pain by catharsis or at least open-hearted feeling 
the pain of one's blockages, uh, moving towards um, transpersonal working. And that goes through Western esotericism, and that's just another view. And then later down the page, we'll look through Indian religions and Buddhism. Uh, and that, I think, is where we'll end the series um, with some final comments as we finish this page on uh, self-realization. Uh, so I hope this has been helpful. <laughs> it just goes on and on. Uh, but I think we're about to be released from the series, I'd say, next time. Uh, thank you very much for being here. I hope it's been helpful. Take good care of yourselves, and see you next time.